Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. I'm Connor Clancy and we are here to talk about round four of Serie A. Joining me this week, it might be a quieter podcast than last, even though we've more guests, just because Nicholas Carroll isn't here really. But making a long way to return for, what, two, three weeks now? Luca Gumby joins me. Luca, welcome along. Hi, nice to be here. It's all uh, quite interesting moment in Serie A, decent standard, and got the fixtures coming in thick and fast in midweek games, European games before, so it's all uh, picking up again off their commercial break. Looking forward to discussing what we've seen. Yeah, it sh- should, should be a good episode this week, and to complete the Sampdoria duo, as has already been addressed in the comments, uh, Vito Doria, you're back. Welcome along. Yeah, thanks, Connor. Obviously, I enjoy the returns, and it should be another interesting round of culture to talk about, especially with all the strikers uh, at the start of the season. The scoring goals are crazy, which is great to see. Yeah, just before we crack on with this, um, just to remind people that we have opened a little bit of a store over on ForzItalianFootball.com. Head over there, look at the right, you'll see store, click on it. We've got two mugs for sale. I think it's a Fabio Canataro one and a Roberto Baggio one. They're both beautiful. You should buy them. They're great. And if you don't want to just buy a mug, you can contribute a lot less, maybe a dollar or two a month. Head to patreon.com and slash Forza Italian Football and give what you can. And we will greatly appreciate it. Right, guys, to start, I don't think there's anywhere else to start. Napoli, six, Benevento, nil. My God, Vito. Napoli are phenomenal, aren't they? Well, when they're hot, they're extremely hot because... Under Sarri, they play some sensational football. We've covered it many times over previous podcasts, but uh, I think it really shows once again when uh, they're allowed to play their game, they're the best team to watch in Italy and possibly one of the very best to watch in Europe too. Uh, I think we just saw we saw in that game, you know, when they have that trident up front of Cajon, Mertens and Insigne, 
they're just they're very fast and they're also players who can combine very well and score goals out of nothing too. So they've got the system in place, but there's the individual talent that makes it shine too. And uh, although Benevento were really bad, I think uh, Napoli's ability to just dismantle any opposition, uh, I think it's uh, really a great uh, warning sign for all the other City R clubs that Napoli, they are so far looking like the real deal. Yeah, Vito, I mean, you touched on it. it Benevento aren't the strongest opposition, but that system that Napoli have in place, the way they play on their day, you really would fancy them to tear apart any team. And I genuinely was in disbelief looking at this, but Napoli completed 910 passes in that game. And I think the pass completion accuracy was something like 92.5%, which is just, that's on a, a completely different level to anything I've ever seen, to be honest. Even that Barcelona team, that dominated under Guardiola. That, the stuff they play is amazing. And I said it when talking to Nick last week, that if, if there's anyone listening that, that doesn't watch Napoli, you need to sort that out and go and do it. It doesn't matter who they're playing. The Shakhtar game was a bit unfortunate in that they didn't quite live up to their standards. But Napoli, whenever they play, because it's impossible not to enjoy it. Luca, I mentioned Shakhtar there. Do you think that there was a bit of an overreaction to Napoli not winning? Because people immediately thought, oh, this is why Napoli can't win the Scudetto. This is why Napoli can't do anything in Europe. But we've seen other teams struggle going to Shakhtar before. I know Shakhtar don't play at their typical home ground at the moment, but it's not the easiest of trips. So do you think there was a bit of an overreaction after they lost? I say that, like you said, Shakhtar are a good team and perhaps someone sort of political situation with Ukraine kind of makes people forget that because it's not quite as prestigious as it was but anyone can lose away in the Champions League and it, it was somewhat unfortunate it was a close game but then to just respond like that against Benevento was just the perfect response they were so completely in control and like you mentioned those passing statistics it wasn't even they were just keeping the ball for the sake of it or kind of just retaining possession to just where Benevento acts quick passing the amount of times they got in behind Benevento without like just counters having it was just they building moves up and just tearing Benevento apart. You could tell Benevento couldn't deal with it at all, and then look like they pretty much gave up in the first half, which was kind of disappointing because it was a derby. It would have been kind of a bit more interesting. It was a more competitive spectacle. But yeah, the, the way they've been doing Napoli is so impressive. I think they have some kind of ridiculous record of scoring three goals in Serie A for like a stupid amount of consecutive games and yeah perhaps it could do them some good to be taught a lesson as well in the Champions League they can react they obviously showed what they're made of against Benevento and made their fans happy they have another good crowd in San Paolo and yeah uh, perhaps yeah obviously they'll want to improve in Europe for their their second game but in Serie A things going perfectly fine and they remain this incredibly entertaining team to see. Um, having some statistics passed to me now uh, over on our behind the scenes communication channel, which are, again are just they show how impressive Napoli are. A lot of people have said that they're reliant, if not over reliant, on Dries Mertens. And let's be honest, he has been brilliant for the last, what, 12, 13 months or however long it's been. Uh, probably about a year since Milik got injured and Mertens started playing as a number nine. But Napoli have had eight different goal scorers already this season. And when you compare that to other teams, Inter and Juve both only have four different goal scorers. And Salah has scored 62% of Juventus' goals and 80% of Inter's have come from either Mauro Cardi or even Perisic. 
the only other team in Serie A to have eight different goal scorers is Fiorentina and all of their eight only have one goal each. So it just shows Napoli aren't reliant on any one player to get these goals. However much people want to say that they are focused around Dries Mertens. But one of these players, Vito, I think you actually wrote about Jose Callahan last season. Correct me if I'm wrong. But he he seems to just slip under the radar so much. He scored a big goal last weekend, I think it was, when Insignia played a lovely ball over the top to him. But he doesn't really get the credit he deserves in this Napoli team, does he? No, he doesn't. And yes, uh, you're, you're right. I did write about him last season because Sari often puts him on the starting lineup and he's usually one of the first names on the team sheet. So again, it's the same story of Kayahon. He'll always play his role. He'll start on the right wing, but he'll do the team things, you know, drop back and he'll cover ground. But he's a very handy goal scorer. It's not like he's a guy that only scores four or five goals. He'll get, you know, he's the kind of guy that will score at least 10 goals a season. And he was high in the sits as well. So um, in my opinion, for him to probably get a little bit more recognition, I think Napoli do need a stronger run in Europe and perhaps that way he'll get more attention because I'm sure that the most keen and avid of Serie A supporters should recognise his contribution despite not having the same amount of, say, flair or artistry as Mertens and Insigne. Yes, as we said, they've got this great spread of goal scorers from Insigne to Milik, Mertens, Kalihan, even the midfield like Zielinski and Hamšík pop up with their goals. So on the pitch, there isn't really one most important player. Luca, do you think it's fair to say that the most important person at that club at the moment and last season is Maurizio Sarri? Yeah, you think you think it's definitely him. Otherwise, they'd be hamshake or someone just because they've been there for so long. But just when you see them in that full flow, that that front three, the way they're rotating so much, there's no kind of there's no desire within that team to just sort of do one thing and get it to one player and think, oh, God, you make something happen that you can see in teams. It's not reliant on any one individual. It's so fluid and everyone's getting touches on the ball. And that obviously, that obviously comes from the coach and he's just done so well and made them into such a strong team that he's kind of the key asset for them now. It's obviously before in the past they had Higuain and then they lost him and that was what, uh, you know, everyone's like, oh, Napoli are going to not be the same about Higuain. And they just continued with Sarah. They just changed the style a little bit. They didn't have to rely on a sent forward to bag all the goals. It's just a very fluid front uh, line where now Mertens can score the kind of force nine. So, yeah, it's just Sarah. You don't know where he's going to end up. West Ham kind of seems like that absurd suggestion and all that was. And you think it's got to be a big, big step up. And someone like Barcelona, he seems to fit like that. But for, I don't see why leaving Napoli in the near future for any reason no that's the thing if, if he goes to West Ham which he obviously won't but there have been links in the English press but that's just the English press being the English press probably but if he leaves Napoli it has to be to someone like Barcelona or something like that doesn't it but oh, I don't know let's try not to think about the insanity of him even leaving Napoli especially to go to a club as much of a mess as West Ham. Nick has piped up in the comments, actually, says he thinks Marek Hamšík is the heart and soul of Napoli, which, ah, Sarri takes it for me. Uh, Vito, have you any thoughts on Mauricio Sarri before we move on from Napoli? Well, 
I do agree that he's the most important person there because he's the main reason why this game plan and style of players worked so well. He took over from Rafa Benitez, who seemed lost with the team he had. So Sarri ditched his 4-2-3-1. I mean, Benitez is 4-2-3-1, uh, added his ideas, and this is why they look like a Scudetto contender. And just to talk about the rumours a bit, if he was to ever leave Napoli, hopefully it's after he's won several trophies and he becomes a contender for the Azzurri job one day. Because uh, if he can get the national team, you know, from senior to junior level to play in that style, that would be something special. That's the thing. But do you think, Maurizio, sorry, maybe the attention to detail he pays, the amount of work that he puts in on the training ground, he's not really suited to international football because Mm. he might just overwhelm the players in such a short amount of time that he gets with them and garnish his career if he was to go to an international side, I think. Mm. That's the downside because uh, quite a few people, especially Arrigo Saki himself, that's why he struggled with the national team. Uh, USA 94, he got carried by Roberto Baggio to get the Italians into the final and Euro 96, Italy flopped. So um, in in hindsight, he felt that because he didn't have that day-to-day workload like he did at AC Milan, that uh, didn't work out well for him and... That might not work. That might happen to Sadi as well if he went down that path. But have to wait and see. You know, really depends on yeah, the talent coming through as well. Luca. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think you, you're both right. There. I don't think international management would be his forte. With kind of how, how cerebral and philosophical that team is, you just wouldn't have the time to set that up in the national team. I think that's why Conte was so successful with Italy because he realised that and he was just motivational, keeping it simple, working with what we've got. And then Sarri, with some of this stuff he's doing now, he always see these kind of drone cam things. And it's also such great attention to detail. It's not really feasible, I don't think, in an international context. Yeah, absolutely. And guys, as much as I would absolutely love nothing more tonight than to sit here and talk about Napoli for the whole 45 minutes to an hour, we do have other games to cover. But I don't know if guys want to, sign up on Patreon and let us know that they want the Napoli special podcast, well then I'm sure we can work something out because, as I said, I could talk about them for hours on end. Um, Juventus then, we mentioned them briefly there. Paolo Dybala, he is really stepping it up. Luca, you spoke about him very highly the last time you were on. I think it was two, three weeks ago now. But um, he's he's delivering this season, isn't he? Yeah, I think it was important for him as well in terms of kind of just his personal morale to, to do that with those two great goals against that's well, a free kick and a long shot because after the Barcelona game, he'd been getting um, quite a lot of stick because he'd been getting so much praise beforehand and quite a lot of, um, you know, the, the anti-Juventus crowd that are in Italy and in press or whatever were quite happy to sort of criticise the Barla, say he failed on the the big occasion after last season in Europe where he kind of announced himself to a lot of people who probably don't follow Italian football so much. But yeah, just with Sassuolo's routine game and just for him to just turn up and play that well kind of just shows that everything's still going well for him. Perhaps it was a bit of a blip against Barcelona but then in these kind of, um, you know, standard games, which are the majority of them in the season, he was back performing at the, the standard he's been showing in the past couple of seasons and there's no reason why he can't continue to, to go there. It's just that now he'll have to 
show it in Europe a bit more to silence some of these critics, but a lot of the criticism was kind of unfounded and he's obviously still a great player and he showed that against, again against Sassuolo. Yeah, he's got eight goals already this season. As I said a bit earlier, 62% of Juventus' goals this season. Nick has asked a question in the comments, which I was going to come to. Nick is trying to take my slot here, I think, but he wants to know, are they becoming a little bit too reliant on him? Vito, what are your thoughts there? I think Juventus really needs to be reliant on Dybala, to be honest, because Allegri doesn't have a distinctive style of play and he's reliant on his stars and individuals to produce the results. Worst of all for Juventus is that Gonzalo Higuain is out of form, so to compensate for Higuain's lack of uh, scoring prowess and uh, you know lack of fitness, I think Dybala really needs to score these goals out of nothing because uh, sometimes I feel that Juventus are playing with 10 men with Higuain on the side. So uh, an informed Dybala is really what Allegri and Juve need at the time being. Yeah, Luca touched on the criticism there of Dybala. And I, I'll hold my hand up and say at times I have been one of those who has maybe not criticised, but knowing his ability perhaps wanted a little bit more from him in terms of goals. But this year, so far, he's really delivering that. So maybe last year, as Lucas said, we saw him perform brilliantly against Barcelona in, what was it, the quarterfinal, last 16, whatever it was, he was outstanding in the game at Juventus Stadium. But then he kind of went missing in the final. He wasn't great the other night. So does he need to just deliver regularly against these bigger teams in Europe for people to really kind of sit back and say, okay, this... This kid is actually something special. Vito, I'll stick with you on this. Definitely. The more he performs in these uh, fixtures in the Champions League and especially against the strong opposition, that's where he's going to get the recognition that he deserves. And hopefully he does perform well in the other big fixtures in the Champions League because at the moment, Serie A needs someone to shine in the big European fixtures and I believe with the talent that he's got, Dybala can be that player. Hopefully his heroics from the quarterfinals last season against the Barcelona, they weren't a one-off because, you know, it would be such a shame if he just turned out to be another flat-track bully. And I think he can be a lot better than that. Yeah, only time will tell, but he has really started well this season. So hopefully he can continue that form. There's a lot of love coming in for Paolo Dybala in the comments as well. So hopefully he can continue that good form. But um, as you said, Vito, Gonzalo Higuain hasn't quite been himself this season. He's been left out of the Argentina squad for the second time running by Jorge Sampaoli. Is this the beginning of his decline? We've seen problems with his fitness throughout his career. He's not always at his physical peak. Is he one of these players that will start to slow down early or does it just take him a little bit longer at the start of each season to get up to speed? I'm going to be very pessimistic here and say that it's, uh, it's going to be his uh, time to decline. He'll be 30 next year and he's having weight and mobility issues at the moment. So um, I'll be honest, based on the way he started, I'm really lacking confidence that he'll return to form. And I think he's fortunate to be in the squad because he came to Juventus with such a high price tag. And also being in a dominant side like Juventus, 
I really think that because they're obtaining so many results in Serie A, he can get away with the poor performances. If Juventus were declining in Serie A, I think he would be made into a much greater scapegoat. Yeah, absolutely. I do hope he can get back to his best because when he's on form, he's one of my favourite players to watch. He's a brilliant finisher. He's got an incredible eye for goal and he always just seems to to bully defenders whenever he is on his best. We saw it last season at the San Paolo, myself, Nick and Dov were actually out there at the game and he just, like, he got a chance about 20 yards from the goal and it, it was, it's generously even called it a chance, it wasn't. And he just picked out the bottom corner and when he's on his best, he's one of the most clinical forwards in the world. So I, I really hope it is just a, a slow start to the season. But again, in the comments, they don't seem too optimistic for the chances of him making a recovery. Luca, Blaise Matuidi was excellent. I don't think there's a blade of grass he didn't cover on the day. Do you think he's the natural successor to Claudio Marchisio? Yeah, you would think so. It was kind of Juve's sort of main transfer priority over the summer to bring in this uh, new midfielder who's going to bring that kind of running tactical intelligence and versatility. And they seem to dance at that with uh, Matuidi. It, it was quite a low fee. And it's just sort of it, Juventus and Monday kind of don't really seem to have that kind of real spark in the midfield in a way like uh, Pjanic obviously will provide creativity but Marquezio seems to be kind of declining seems to be struggling a lot of time for fitness so you would presume that Matuidi is kind of that option and he's should be at the peak of his career he's I think about 30 so he's not going to really have that much time to really you know not much of a grace period to get going but from what he's done so far he's been perfect fit at Juve and I don't see why that wouldn't uh, continue. It would just be, again, I suppose with you know, Saul and Gooden and Sassuolo, when it's going to be a fairly routine win for you there. And it would just be the same thing with um, Dybala, if we can do it in Europe and really make a difference there for, for you there, where they've had kind of these frustrations and their misses in recent seasons. I cannot believe that Blaise Matuidi is 30. I had to look it up when you said that. That's unbelievable. He, he still has an engine on him as if he's like 24, 25. One thing, a negative for Juventus that stood out, and it's not like we're just nitpicking here, but Stefan Licksteiner was poor. Vito, do you think that right back could be a problem for them? We've spoken about them losing Dani Alves already enough that we're not going to go over Dani Alves again, but they brought in Mattia De Chilio and Stefan Licksteiner's probably passed his best. Do you think that when they get into the latter stages of the Champions League, that the, the ability of those two will kind of be exposed? I reckon there's a good chance that it can be, and it is because of Licksteiner's age, because he will be 34 next year. And for him to play a full season at his age would be very would be very tough for him to sort of last the duration. So depending on how long the Shilio is out, he is a much maligned player, the Shilio, but uh, when he made his breakthrough in 2012-2013 with AC Milan, um, he needs to, I mean, he was playing well and also um, he was doing well under Allegri. So I think he needs to perform. Yeah, I think they don't really seem to have that kind of uh, attacking fullback option that you obviously have with Alves before. They don't have that kind of 
someone who can just get up and down that right flank as much. But uh, seeing as they've brought in Herbert Davis, who is really a centre-back, but he has proven himself to be a versatile player at Schalke. Germany, he's played in on the midfield. He's played a left-back. He's played a right-back. He could be another. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market option you're not going to really expect Juve to to put too much faith in Herbert is when they they're playing lesser opposition that they're just going to try and have the wing backs uh and full backs getting whipped and up the pitch crosses but perhaps against the, the stronger teams Herbert could be another option on the right if they're they've got a more defensive mentality yeah oh well with Herbert I reckon he's probably a centre-back at best, but he is versatile, like you said, Luca. And even if he doesn't play centre-back, I reckon he'd be a better left-back, though, than a right-back. But I suppose if Allegri is that desperate for options, uh, that is a, you know, that's a tactical plan that he can take into consideration. Yeah, he's, he's very much an emergency option, which does suggest that there's something's gone wrong in the plan there. But he could perhaps fill a gap for a, for a season. All right, guys. Um, another team who have won all of their games so far is Inter, quite impressively. They beat Spal. Again, it's another weak team, but four from four, 12 points from 12. Looking at their next few fixtures, they've got Bologna, Genoa and Benevento to come before they play Milan in the Derby della Maddalena on October 15th. They could realistically have 21 points from their opening seven games. And then if they get into that position, they could really, really put a serious title challenge together. Vito... Are we getting ahead of ourselves? Me and Nick spoke last week and said that it's too early to consider them as title challengers. But if they win seven from their first seven, surely. Well, in the 2015-2016 season, Inter had a very good start under Roberto Mancini. And then in the second half, they declined. But when Mancini was there, I saw a lot of one-nil wins and they were very unconvincing to watch. Handanovic was saving them quite a lot. He was performing a lot of miraculous saves. In this case, uh, I still think Spalletti needs more time to get his uh, ideas across. But 
another thing too is that in comparison to two seasons ago, I think there's a little bit more fluidity in the team, especially with Borja Valero in the side because with his uh, with his technique and his vision, I think he really adds something extra to the Nerazzurri midfield. So I think it is too soon to decide if they are title contenders just yet, but um, I think it's really just about getting the attacking phase right. If Borja Valero, despite his age, if he can still perform well, and also with Roberto Gagliardini, if he can continue with his development too, because I think he adds more on the ball compared to some of the other defensive midfielders at Inter, um, that might be the main difference this season. Yeah, one of the first questions we got in was actually about Inter. So I'll go back to that and just give me a second, scroll up and find it. It's for you two guys. Luca, I'll give it to you since you're silent there for the last couple of minutes. But given you're a Sam fan, could you ever have seen Milan Skriniar turning out to be such a good signing so quickly for Inter? And could 20 million euro turn out to be a bargain? Yeah, I think I heard some Sampdoria fans sort of think, oh, this is, this is a bit odd like, for him to go for so much money. But he's still so young. He's been so good at Inter already. He's made such an impact. that they put faith in him and he's, he's definitely um, repaid them. I think he's got the, the most number of clearances in the league. He seems to be forming great partnership with Miranda. He just looks so strong and so composed. I think it was like against uh, Spauer, it was like one tackle. He just sort of completely went round the defender, just completely waits him off the ball. Many other players would be in the right panel there, but for him to be doing this, and it's just it's just been probably the signing of the, the transfer window so far. He's been so good at Inter to start with, and like that's where their, their success so far has been coming from. It's just that defence, uh, that Skriniar and uh, Miranda partnership looks to be flourishing and Danovich is still a top class goalkeeper so yeah it's a great great um, he's been a great player it's somewhat surprising how, how quickly he's settled and it'll be interesting to see if he can continue but everything looks like he's going to be a very very good uh, defender moving forward and the only perhaps one real concern at the moment for injury is if they they get an injury at the back because that's certainly where they're um short of staff because otherwise it's going to be Renocchio coming in and that's not really what they would have been planning for and he's probably <laughs> the job of Spalletti but it's very generous going to have to be screened <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know Spalletti seems to have some faith in him but otherwise yeah it's a bit screen you know, he's been brilliant so. yeah well that's the thing we've got Genoa also played against Lazio and they lost 3-2 at the Stadio Luigi Ferraris uh, Chiro Mobile, Vito, he has been outstanding this year as he was last. And do you think he's kind of underrated in this Lazio team? Because Lazio don't get a lot of praise themselves. And Chiro Mobile should probably be spoken about in the same breath as Andrea Bellotti and maybe even Mauro Icardi at the moment. Well, statistically, it would suggest that way because, well, in the opening four rounds of Serie A, he's got six goals, I suppose. I checked yesterday, so that's been very impressive. And just in all competitions, uh, ever since Italy lost 3-0 to Spain, he's just been in a sensational scoring form. So between the Azzurri scoring the win against Israel and then scoring in the Europa League and, of course, his goals in Serie A, um, he's starting to pick at the right time now because he's 27 and 
Lazio really need him to score prolifically if they're going to stay near the top of the Serie A table and still stay in the fight for Europe. And, of course, uh, the Italian national, pardon me, the Italian national team could do with uh, more of his goals too. So I think uh, this patch of form has been excellent and uh, if he can keep it up, that will be beneficial for both club and country because I think both, both teams really need him. To definitely. Be in that top one. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's worth keeping an eye on ForzaItalianFootball.com actually because Kev P has written about Immobile. I haven't had the chance to go through it yet myself, but that should be up. It might even be up before this podcast is out on iTunes and Acast. So head over there tomorrow morning and it'll definitely be there. Anyway, um, he, he does need to keep it up. But one thing that's impressive about Lazio is it doesn't matter what happens, it seems, they do just keep it up. Simone Inzaghi has done a fantastic job. Myself and Nick, I think we spoke about it a bit last week. Luca, can they qualify for the Champions League this year? Um, I think they'd probably be just just outside. But I think they can give it a real go. They've just got this really nice squad at the moment, and they they were really good last year. They're sort of going, still going under the radar, but they don't really have many massive stars in their team. Perhaps like in recent seasons, Felipe Anderson was the big star. But he's Move to the sidelines or cater about their jail and the only has gone, but they've just carried on. And they are, yeah, it's just, I think they perhaps Champions League will be a step too far, perhaps when they change the, the format and it's all the automatic four teams for Italy, it will be a different story. But I think Inzaghi deserves immense credit. We're talking about Sarri, and Inzaghi came in with very little expectation and he's just turned this team into a very, very solid. Alfie, who plays good football and gets most out of Immobile, who'd been kind of on a few years around the wilderness after his move to Dortmund, which didn't work out. And yeah, it's just, they've been very good. Immobile is probably underrated. The whole team's probably underrated. And I think with Immobile, a lot of the reasons why he's underrated, it's not that kind of obvious what he does in a way, but he just scores goals consistently. He's not, he's not got the best touch or pace or he's good in there, but he's just constantly just going to get in the right position to finish. And with that, Lazio can keep moving forward. All right. Um, one team they have absolutely taken apart this this season already is Milan. They smashed them last week, as we as we saw. Um, but we'll move on to them. We'll just move through the next few games pretty quickly because we're up on half an hour now, and my dog is going absolutely mental. So I want to sort that out. But Nikola Kalinic veto is settling in quite well. I haven't been as biggest fan in recent seasons. I'm still not his biggest fan. What's what's happening there? Is it just because he's such a limited striker that it doesn't you don't need to suit your game to play him? He can just adapt, and he's a hardworking player, I suppose. He he'll just fit in, won't he? That's what it looks like. Well, based on yesterday's performances, he was obviously very prolific. He got into the right positions to score the goals, and just that you know hunger for goals. That's what he is. He's a, he's a good finisher and. He's not just a guy that sits in the box. I think, uh, you know, he's a guy that can play on the line too. But his overall game was very good against Udinese. And this season, it looks like Montella's got his strikers playing right because Andre Silva scored in the Europa League and the youngster Patrick Cutrone had a good start to the season as well. So it looks like he's got a few options there in the attack, which is great to see. 
Yeah, it was it was almost like some people were perhaps surprised to have Kalinic start with Kutrone and then Silva doing so well across various competitions. They they do certainly have that wealth of options up front. I think Kalinic also had a goal disallowed after uh, it was reviewed and it could have possibly counted, so I think it was denied to have it. But yeah, it would certainly be interesting to see how Milan can progress with those forwards because they all seem to be in form at the moment and it'll be tough for Montella to to kind of keep a solid starting eleven and not just sort of try and panic and fit everyone in because they're, they're in this great form. All right, guys, as I said to you before we start recording, we've spoken about Milan enough this season. We will talk about them again next week, but give us a break. One week off talking about Milan because we're going to be talking about them a lot going forward. Roma beat Verona 3-0. I didn't get too carried away when Fiorentina smashed them five. I'm not going to get carried away with Roma beating them three. Vito, is this just Roma beating up a pretty bad team? Um, I think 3-0 was very generous on Verona, to be honest. Roma really should have scored 10. I'm not kidding. Roma were that much better in terms of his possession and uh, the Giallo Blue, they were very poor as well. I reckon Jacko, he had the two goals, but he could have scored five easy. Wunder could have scored two. Florenzi should have got one on his return. And even Chic, after about 10, 15 seconds, he came on. He could have had one himself. So, And even Stefano Sharari, he got a rare start. He set up the opening goal for Nindelan, but he could have got a hat-trick himself. So the the Giallo Rossi, they had so many chances. And although I reckon Di Francesco still needs more time with them, uh, I reckon it was just they needed to improve their finishing because... Uh, Verona really didn't offer much of a fight. And I must say, Fabio Pecchia, um, he's doing a horrible job with that team. And he left Giampaolo Pazzini on the bench again. So I reckon he'll be the first coach to go because really he's below standard. Yeah, I don't think he's done as good a job as he should be really either. Vito, I'm going to stick with you. You say about Di Francesco, you mentioned him. He's new there. We've seen that he's a talented coach. Myself and Nick... I'm sure you guys did as well, worried that he wouldn't be given enough time at Roma. How do you think he's settling in there so far? I think he's doing a decent job at the moment. Um, He hasn't suffered any big losses yet. Mind you, it's only early in the season. But to just briefly touch upon the Champions League, they did draw 0-0 against Atletico Madrid. And if it wasn't for Alisson Becker's heroics in goal, that could have been like another... 7-1 7-1 humiliation for Roma. So I think also not just to have a good goalkeeper in place, but he even changed his formation to deal with the Atletico onslaught. So he's probably not that one-dimensional as people might think. So early days, but I think uh, Di Francesco is just going about things steadily and I believe the best is yet to come for him. Let's hope so because... It's always nice to see young Italian coaches coming through and doing well. So hopefully he can go on and prove himself there and go on to bigger things maybe in the future. Luca, you were tweeting about Torino Samp being brilliant, finished 2-2. What was so good? Oh, it was just a very fun first half. It was goals everywhere. Sabato opened scoring for Samp after a minute. And then uh, Belotti with a lovely finish. Well, no, it was Baselli with a great goal from outside of the area to level. And Belotti just... Look to be back at it again with this really good finish. And Carlo Arella against his old team, I think he was getting a bit of stick. 
was just a just a fun game to watch really second half half period out there but two it's quite nice as well to see the the sort of Torino's and the you know Sampdoria these kind of upper middle table teams really putting on a bit of a show and perhaps suggesting that they can uh, go a bit further this year than they have in, in previous years and kind of competing for these European places or giving the elite a bit more of a, a black eye. It'd be interesting to see if these kind of teams can push on. Torino, obviously, they were exciting last year, but vulnerable at the back. And Sampdoria, who I thought were going to struggle, but they've been impressive so far after they, they sold all their stars and reinvested cheaply, but it seems to be working out for the moment. And there's a nice crowd to the Stadio Olimpico, so there's a good backdrop to the game. It's just, just a fun game. I just want to also add about the guys who assisted for the Sampdoria goals. Uh, Dovan Zapata scored on his debut for the Doriani, but it was uh, across from Dennis Pratt that gave him the goal, and he wasn't featuring a lot for Sump last season, but uh, John Paolo was putting him in the starting lineup, which I'm very happy to see because I think he adds more technique, invention, and uh, fluidity than what Carolinetti does. And then for the Quayarella goal, the cross came from Ivan Strinic, who is a regular in the Croatian national team, but Napoli never gave him much of a chance and Sari prefers Fauzi Gulam. So for Gianpaolo to put Strinic right in and for the Croatian to provide that assist, I think that's a fantastic start for the player and hopefully he can be a significant contributor for the Doriani. Yeah, I think Samp have done quite well to get Strinic and Zapata in there. I know... Zapata was linked with Atalanta at one point this summer and I wasn't too pleased about it because I think Napoli wanted $25 million at that point. But I'm pretty sure there was a good little double deal done to get the two of them. And I think they'll both do quite well there. Luca, you were very worried about Samp before the season began. But three games in, they haven't lost. Obviously, they've played one game fewer than everyone else because their game against Roma last week, I think it was Roma, was postponed because of weather. But are your... Concerns kind of easing a bit now. Are you reevaluating where you think they'll finish? Yeah, I think I was probably overreacting because it's not particularly nice to see all the the players you enjoy watching leave. In Fernandez, who's been doing really well in the Champions League at Sporting, and Shit, who is just a great entertainer, and Skriniar is doing so well at well at Inter. So all the players they've sold have been doing really well, but then they've just managed to to keep to combine without them and. It's, yeah, I don't really see any reason why they can't keep this up. Obviously, they're not going to be like right at the top, but Europa League qualification doesn't seem too, uh, too unreasonable a proposition. And it's just Jan Paolo seems to be doing very well. Vito uh, mentioned prior, he was uh, seen as a very hot talent when he was at Anderlecht and didn't really get that much of a chance to shine in his first season. In the second season, he's more adapted to the league. He's obviously technically good. It'd be interesting to see how he continues and Quagliarella now has Zapata up at the front as another option I think that Zapata Strinic duo as Vito mentioned earlier could, could be very interesting they were sort of two underappreciated players in Napoli that sort of stuff to prove Zapata was kind of always on the move I think he was unhappy with that if you can settle perhaps that'll um, work out well I think that's kind of what Sandro have done well in recent years with Muriel's kind of players who weren't really hitting their potential they weren't really shown enough faith or love from their clubs so if that continues, yeah, I think upper upper mid table, perhaps nothing on the door European places isn't beyond the realm of possibility. Yeah, you mentioned Priot there. I was quite impressed with him. We both saw Sam play against Manchester United in Dublin. He was 
one of the standout performers there, really. And as Vito has reliably informed us, Sam play Verona next, so you'd imagine that could easily be 10 points from four games, which would be interesting. Vito is literally rubbing his hands together over there. Vito, are you expecting three, four, five goals in that one? Oh, if it was in... If it was in Genoa, I would definitely tip a five or six nil, definitely. But even in Verona, our our record's pretty good too. So as long as Petka's still at Verona, I think we should win at least three nil. If Fiorentina can get a big win there, I'm confident uh, the Doriani can get another big win at the Bentagori too. Okay, Sam fans, you know when you don't win this weekend, get on Twitter and tweet at Vito C. Doria. Uh, guys, that'll just about do it for us this week. Everyone in the comments, Jack, you're a star. You've been back again this week. Thanks to you and everyone else over there, except that Australian guy. Um, but yeah, if you want to follow us on social media, we are on Forza. We're Forza Italian Football on Facebook and Instagram. Luca, you're distracting me. On Twitter, we are at Serie FFC. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at ConJClancy. Luca at GumbiZono. Vito, as I said, at VitoC. Doria, if you like what we do, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash Forza Italian Football. Give us a dollar or two a month if you can. We'd greatly appreciate it. And look, if you give stuff there, you can get involved, chat to us more personally, ask us specific things to do. Yeah, I think that basically covers all bases. We'll be back again next week, same time, same place. Half 11 Central European time, Monday night. I might not be here. Nick will be hosting, maybe. Who knows? But yeah, that's all. Ciao, guys. Ciao. Vale con me.
sotto che a voi ballare la papu danza. Tagliate un amico e condividete il video. Baila come il papu. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 